Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. As we reflect on the season, what does success look like if you took wins and losses and you put that to the side for a second? I did that, and it was really about the foundation that we built this year. I know that we're in a healthier situation now than we were before, and we're excited about where we're going. Now, it's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's Kevin Powell. Welcome into episode 61 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for listening. Lots to get to. Feels like a new chapter for the Chicago Bears organization. Kevin Warren introduced as the new team president. I like the hire. A change is good. Uh, It sounds like he'll have a hand in, of course, the business side of things and even a little bit on the football side, too. So I like the hire. Uh, I like the change there. And, uh, of course, the big project for Kevin Warren will be overseeing a new stadium. And they have yet to close on that property in Arlington Heights, but he did stress that the, the plan and the focus is the Arlington Park property. And Ted Phillips, the outgoing team president, talked a little bit after the the introductory press conference for Kevin Warren. And Phillips even said, like, they haven't even really done anything with developers on what exactly that property will look like. But I think all of us have an idea that, you know, and Phillips said, it's a 365-day thing, an attraction for fans where they can go, a stadium, and then everything around it, uh, bars, restaurants, retail, hotel, whatever it might be. So um, we'll, we should have some news on that shortly, and once they do, um, if they do, actually close on that Arlington Heights property. So I do like the hire of Kevin Warren. We'll see how it plays out. A new stadium, a new team president, maybe they have their long-term solution at quarterback as well. Bears with the top overall pick, all the salary cap space. What will they do? I get into that with Carmen Vitale from Fox Sports. Covers the NFC North, does a great job doing it. So I talked to Carmen uh, about the Bears' current situation, some offseason stuff. Also, Aaron Rodgers. What's going to happen there? Is a trade looming to the Jets, maybe? And, uh, of course, Championship Weekend is here. So Carmen and I will will preview that and give our predictions on the NFC and AFC uh, Championship games. I think it'll be – I think we're going to have two really good games on Sunday. And so does Vegas if you look at the lines. I think we, I think we have a chance here to have two uh, really classic championship games between these, these uh, four teams. So I get into some Bears stuff, some Aaron Rodgers stuff, and the Championship Weekend preview. Carmen Vitale from Fox Sports. Now joining me on the WGN Radio Football Podcast is Carmen Vitale. Covers the NFC North for Fox Sports. Does a great job doing it. Carmen, I appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast. Let's start with some Bears stuff. I do want to get your thoughts on where Aaron Rodgers might be playing next year. And then, of course, uh, Sunday Championship Weekend is here. I think we've got uh, two really good games in store Sunday. So we can touch on that. But let's start with the Bears. You saw plenty of Justin Fields. Uh, you heard from Justin Fields. Brian Poles talked about him, too, in his end-of-season press conference. How do you think the Bears view Justin Fields long-term? Do, do you think that they feel like they've got their guy long-term? Um and then what do you think they do with that that top that top overall pick? Because there's been a lot of talk about maybe trading down and getting more picks, which would make a lot of sense for the Bears because they have a lot of holes to fill. Um, but how do you think the Bears view Justin Fields moving forward? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that they're totally dead set on him being the quarterback of the long-term future, especially given the fact that this regime didn't draft him and, and didn't do all of that work to bring him in. But at the same time, you don't want to start over again. I mean, this year, this is his second offensive coordinator in not even two seasons starting. And you need to be able to get him comfortable within a system, build around him a little bit more in order to get a true evaluation of him. So I think that that's the plan right now. And given all of the assets they're going to have this offseason, you know, in, in the draft, and their salary cap situation is the best in the league by far, they can afford to surround him with some really good talent and then use this next year with, you know, Luke Getze, again, a first-time play caller this year, now more comfortable in his own system, kind of figuring things out, working the kinks out, and having some real talent on the roster to help Justin Fields develop a little bit more. I think we're going to see really quickly, though, with who they decide to bring in in free agency and then who they go after in the draft, how much they have faith in Justin and how much they're about to build around him. How do you view Justin Fields? Because you were in attendance for plenty of Bears games this year. What, what, how, do you, how do you view Justin Fields? Do you think he is the guy for the Bears moving forward? I mean, I think that he's better than any of the options we've seen in recent memory, right? Yeah. I mean, the Bears aren't necessarily a franchise known for offense or quarterback play. But that being said, he is, and I said this, you know, I've said this all season, even before it, he's where this league is going. He's the type of player, the type of quarterback, or at least he could be, uh, that kind of fits this mold of the dual-threat quarterback that operates a really complex and creative run game um, and factors into that. And, I, you know, Justin said that he doesn't want to run, rush for 1,000 yards a season, and I don't blame him, and I don't think that that's the plan for him. I obviously need to see more out of him as a passer. But you see what he was able to do at Ohio State, and you hope that that can translate to the league once he has a more solid and maybe consistent offensive line around him, a true number one receiver, that as he gets a little bit more, you know, connected to the guys that are going to be there again next year, and hopefully, you know, Darnell Mooney stays healthy and, and Cole Komet can continue to develop as one of those underneath guys. But I think that he could be that, and this is exactly the type of guy that you want going forward. These offenses are turning back into the run-first, kind of not quite smash-mouth anymore because they're definitely more intricate. But, I mean, you see defenses lining up and, you know, the base defensive formation now is a nickel formation where you have five defensive backs because of how pass-heavy this league is. It's coming back around, and this is where the league is going. So I really like what Justin Fields could turn into. You just need to give him more resources. I completely agree. And for anybody saying he's not a good passer, it's like, I don't think there's anything really that says he's not a good passer. I also don't exactly think there's anything that says he's a great passer yet. Far from it. Mm-hmm. But he definitely showed some flashes of the throws he's capable of making. And as we all know, like the, the passing game, there's so much that goes into it, right? First of all, protection, which he didn't have a lot of this season. Pretty much none of it. And and he's stressed. like He doesn't want to just be this scrambling quarterback. So I, I think he has shown enough. One, his explosive you know, big play ability, which we saw a ton of. Um, and I think we did see a lot of flashes of some really impressive throws down the field. Not not enough of them to convince you that to say right now that he's an elite passer quarterback. We're still, you know, still ways off from that. 
Um, but I just really, really want to see what he can do in a, in a more complete offense when we're talking about personnel. Because the offense line for the Bears, and we knew it going into the year, wasn't going to be all that great, and they were not that great. Um, and same with the re- with the receiver situation. You know, I really like the Chase Claypool move. You know, some say maybe they gave up too much. I'm like you had to give him something. And then Darnell Moody yeah. goes down. So I just really, really want to see what Justin Fields can do in a more complete offense when we're talking about personnel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you started the makings of that and, you know, bringing in Chase Claypool when you did, uh, I don't think that we should have expected anything out of him. Yeah, he wasn't even there long enough to really learn the terminology of this offense yet. Mm-hmm. But he, I liked hearing that he's going to work with Justin Fields in the offseason. And that's the thing, too, is I think that Justin has all of the intangibles you need at the quarterback position and at a leadership position. Every, I mean, I've not heard one person say or even hesitate when saying how good of a leader that Justin is and how much they believe in him and how much they like playing with him, coaches, how much they like coaching him and how coachable he is. Um, that kind of stuff matters and when you're talking about a franchise player. And so I think he has all those intangibles. But, yeah, again, it's, you know, I, I know that the talent is there from, from his arm. His arm is obviously very explosive or can be. But I need to see kind of the more mental side of that, the quarterback position, where he's getting through his reads. He's giving himself, you know, the best chance to get a completion downfield or even if it is, taking a check down underneath. Like, but I know that that wasn't something that was afforded to him by his offensive line this year. So it's really hard to get any sort of gauge as to if he is seeing the defense for what it is and what it's taking away and what he can do against it. Or if it was just a matter of, yeah, like, I can see the defense. I just can't give myself any – you know, I'm giving myself time by using my legs because my offensive line isn't doing me any favors. Right. You know, I will say, too, I mean, it's not often you hear opposing teams – hype up other players and that happened on multiple occasions this season where after a game where fields went off and had some crazy run or some big explosive play there were guys in the opposing locker room who who were totally praising justin's play and totally hyping him up that doesn't happen that often you know like that some of the stuff you we heard from opposing teams i was like all right he's caught the attention of the league (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I think that he also catches the attention of coaches because, again, he's a guy that's really, really hard to game plan for when you're on, you know, you're coaching the defensive side of the ball against him because you really don't know what he's going to do and how much he can go off script and what he can do with his legs. I mean, you, you can take away, you know, the weapons, which it, there were few and far between this year, but then you leave him open to just do doing whatever and. If he does get talent around him and he does have a line to protect him, but he can also bail himself out, I mean, the playbook, the offensive playbook just opens up, which means it becomes even more of a headache for defensive coaches. So, again, I just think that he is exactly what kind of, the kind of player you want going forward with the league looking like it's, go, you know, looking like it's going, the trends that we're seeing. Um, but I just don't, I, like, I don't think that we have all of the information that we need to really see if he's like the franchise player for decades to come. You know what I mean? Yeah, total, completely agree. Do you think David Montgomery will be back with the Bears next year? Uh, I think so. I mean, I he, he took to Twitter himself. Uh, there was a report that came out that the Bears and him were too far apart in their contract expectations, and he was like, man, people will be making up anything. Yeah. 
And I think that, you know, he's always expressed his desire to stay in Chicago. Ryan Poles has not been shy. Going back to preseason and, you know, throughout the season that he's a big David Montgomery fan and he likes what he brings to this offense and he wants to have him back. So I don't know. I mean, there's going to be quite a few kind of notable free agents uh, in the running back market this year. And I, yeah, Saquon, Josh Jacobs out in Las Vegas, uh, who had a banner year for himself. Like, I don't know that David Montgomery is going to be able to command top dollar anyway, and why wouldn't you just stay in a comfortable situation in which you are needed? David Montgomery is needed uh, on this Bears offense, and it would be really nice to have some continuity because I feel like there's going to be a lot of new faces on this Bears roster next year. You know, when Ryan Poles did his end-of-season press conference, uh, he didn't really highlight a whole bunch of players that really, you know, he the only players he was really ready to praise at the end of the season. I mean, he talked about Montgomery, Cole Komet, might have yeah. mentioned Tevin, like not a lot, you know what I mean? But he definitely went out of right. his way to make it clear how much he likes and appreciates what David Montgomery brings to the Bears. So I think that might yeah. give us a little insight on how, you know, he obviously wants him back, but we do know that Ryan Poles is, is going to be very, um, uh, I guess, strict and on how he is doing these contract negotiations. We saw it with Roquan, mm-hmm. right? Roquan wanted a certain dollar and they were not going to budge and they moved on from mm-hmm. him. So I, I look, you mentioned the top quarterback or the top running back. So I don't think he's going to get a massive deal or anything. I think this could work out for both sides. Um, where, where David Montgomery does come back. And I know Bears fans love the way he plays. I mean, how could, how could you not? Um, he fights for every inch. Um, Aaron Rodgers, here we are again, Carmen. Uh, another yeah. offseason, some more thoughts on Rodgers. Uh, you cover the NFC North, so you, you know Rodgers, and you've, you know, you've had a chance to talk to him. Like how, what do you think happens here? Because I'm, you know, and Nathaniel Hackett is headed to the Jets, and there's talk that maybe they wouldn't trade him to an NFC team if they were uh, to deal him away. What, what, where do you think Aaron Rodgers is playing next year? Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, the Packers themselves are between a rock and a hard place right now with Rodgers and his contract and how much money he's owed and what it's going to cost as far as, even if they trade him, there's pros and cons to trading him prior to June, the June 1 deadline and then versus afterwards. It's like you sacrifice cap space for being able to utilize draft picks right away that you could get for him, or do you wait and then you delay, but then you've got Jordan Love, who's like, you haven't even picked up his fifth-year option. It's an entire mess, and I can talk circles about it all day long, but I'm not sure. I'm kind of, I don't know if it's different this year. So I wasn't covering the Packers last year, you know, when this whole circus was going um, again. But this year, it does feel... Roger's mind seemed to have changed even from, like, the Week 18 press conference after the loss to the Lions. He kind of took this approach of, like, well, never say never, but I think a lot would have to happen in order for me to have to end up playing somewhere else next year. Fast forward to last week, to this week, he seems way more open to that possibility if he does play football next year. Like, that's the whole thing, too, is he hasn't even decided uh, if he's retiring or not. But if he does come back, I mean, the Jets makes a whole lot of sense. The Jets make a whole lot of sense in the fact that they're set up really well. They've got a good defense. They've got some really exciting and now proven weapons. Uh, you look at Garrett Wilson and what he was able to do in his first year. 
Um, and then now you have an offensive coordinator there who helps get you your last two MVPs. So I think like the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, he's a great offensive coordinator. I don't want to take, I, I hope that the Denver experiment doesn't take that away from the fact that Nathaniel Hackett is a very good coach. But I also have to think that this was Joe Douglas's, like the beginning of Joe Douglas saying, yeah, we want you, Aaron. Come over here. Come to the Jets. Solve our quarterback problems once and for all, at least for a couple of years. Um, but, I mean, it's going to cost him a lot of money, uh, trade capital, and then it's going to cost him a lot of money with his contract. But from coaches and stuff that I've talked to around the league, that's apparently, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make these guys even blink. And that there is a market for Aaron Rodgers out there, even given all the baggage. You put Aaron Rodgers on the Jets next year, and they're, they're likely headed to the playoffs. I mean, the, the Jets for yeah. a while there looked like a playoff team and kind of fell apart, and they haven't been able to figure out the quarterback spot. You put Rodgers on the Jets, I like the Jets' playoff chances next season. Same. I do, too. I mean, that's the thing, too. I think Aaron Rodgers, and he talked about this, and there was a controversial quote of, I can still play an MVP level. And that was after he talked about wanting to, you know, he's like, you don't play unless you're trying to win for championships. But I do think that he, I don't think he's lost a step as much as people like to say because, let's not forget, he was playing with a broken thumb on his throwing hand yeah. most of the season. And if you don't think, I, he downplayed that injury, I realize that, but just because he's downplaying it doesn't mean that it didn't come into play and didn't count. I mean, he threw the second most interceptions this season than he ever has, and I have to think that that's correlated. So I don't necessarily think that Rodgers has lost a step, but I do feel like too maybe he thinks this team, the Green Bay, this Green Bay team, who is very young right now, is kind of passing him by in a lot of ways too, and he wants to go into a more ready-made situation, which would be the Jets at this point. You know, I'm with you. Like even when the Packers were stringing all the wins together to get back into playoff contention, and everyone's like Rodgers, is, and I'm like, okay. It's he still looks better than a lot of quarterbacks, but I'm like, you know, seeing Aaron Rodgers terrorize the Chicago Bears for all these years and see how <laughs> dominant he was, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, th- this is not. He doesn't look the same. So I I agree that, um, I think a fully healthy Rodgers. Let me um let me pivot real quick, Karma, because a very special guest. I'm very excited about this. Just walked into the studio. <laughs> You, you got to hang on. You got to put on headphones. Hang on one second. Hang on. This is a very exciting surprise. I told him to come by if he had time, and he did have time. I think you're gonna like this, Carmen. Just a, just a quick minute okay. for you, Carmi V. Uh, you're you're so good uh, on, on wherever you go, but I love you on WGN. <laughs> <laughs> it's everybody's favorite Mark Carmen who just popped into the studio mid-interview. I told him to swing by if he had a chance. I think he just wrapped up a tennis tournament or something. Well, I was, and I, was and actually, I said, "Come, I said, Carm, come talk to Carmen if you get a chance." And here he is. Well, and I'm actually filling. In Kevin. Hi, Carm. Yeah, Kevin's not supposed to be working, Carmen. He came in to talk to you, so this is a huge he, respect for the pod. We had some shuffling of the broadcasters here at. I'm doing Blackhawks late tonight, so Carm's filling in me for. The afternoon, but I had to come in to you know I wanted to come in and record with Carmen. Oh, I, so it, it all worked out. And I got to go move my car because I got here. And yeah, now we get Carmen. Yeah, and so I got to go. But I got I just let me just say this. And I'll ask you both this yeah, question. Go, you can answer yeah. it. Brock Purdy's getting no respect, none. He's in, he's got great system. <laughs> Shanahan's the best. He's got all the weapons. Anybody could do it. Can we give the guy a drop of respect for forty six starts in college, twelve thousand yards? A guy who 
was overlooked, which, by the way, has happened a zillion times in NFL history. I don't know. I, I seem to remember Tom Brady being drafted 199 overall. I'm not saying that Purdy is that, but can, can we give the guy a drop of, of love for what he's done? Let me say this real quick before I hear Carmen's thoughts on that. The, they are down there, their third-string quarterback, and they're in their, in the NFC Championship game. And us here in Chicago have watched the Bears for 100 years not be able to figure out the quarterback. Mr. Irrelevant has won seven straight for the 49ers, and he's in the NFC Championship game. Do you, Carmen, do you agree with Carm that Purdy's not getting enough love? Yeah, I mean, I think you, uh, there's, a lot, there's rightfully so a lot of credit being given to Kyle Shanahan because he is, he's a very good coach, obviously. He's figured out how to make all those pieces work. But he has an incredible amount of talent, too, which I think also kind of strikes against Brock Purdy. But then if you go and look at Trey Lance's record, with that, with largely that same team around him, like I said, didn't have Christian McCaffrey. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo's stat when he was under center, and then you look at Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy hasn't lost a game yet. And so, I mean, he, his stats aren't insane, but there is something to be said about being thrown into the situation when, yes, you are the last pick of the draft. You were playing at Iowa State last year. You were doing TikToks at this time last year, dancing to whatever trend was popular at that time, and now you are headed into the NFC Championship game with all of the Bay Areas and the faithful hopes on your shoulders. And he's just, he's handled it so well. And again, those intangibles really come into play where he's, the moment hasn't gotten too big for him. So I agree. I really like what Brock Purdy's done. I do think, obviously, he's helped by, you think about Chicago going to the Super Bowl in two thousand after the 2006 season, but Rex Grossman was quarterback for that team, but it was that all the talent around him and that defense that really got them there, and that's what we're seeing with the 49ers, too. Sometimes history just repeats itself. Yeah, it is Carm left, by the way. He was illegally parked, so he, it was a hit and run by Mark Carmen. I love, <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I, love, I love the man. Um, well, Carm perfectly transitioned us into championship weekend. I, look, I think Purdy... Uh, has been very impressive, especially in in the game against uh, Dallas. And look, his numbers weren't overwhelming, but late in that game, he was making quick, decisive throws, and he was getting rid of the mm-hmm. ball on time. And he and he completed some big passes late in that game to really put away Dallas. So I look, I I think he's getting love. I think everyone it, there's still. Um, the understanding that they have maybe the most complete roster in all of football, but still he's, he's going yeah. out and performing. So I guess that does lead us into to the championship weekend preview here that I wanted to just uh, touch on with you, Carmen. I think we're in store for t- two really good games on Sunday. How are you forecasting the, the championship matchups and who are your picks to win? Yeah, honestly, I, I think it's really interesting. I do think the best four teams have actually made it. Like, there was no ifs, ands, or buts that these are the best four teams that were in the postseason. And, I mean, like, I look back at the uh, Bill bengals game. So that was probably the one that I was most excited for last weekend because I really just didn't know which way it was going to go. And I feel that way about both of these games this weekend. And I think it's really interesting because the AFC got so hyped up prior to the season, right? Like, it was all this talk, especially about the AFC West, which, what a disaster mm-hmm. that ended up being. But I feel like while we thought that the talent pool was so much bigger in the AFC, and maybe it still was, the NFC is the biggest toss-up. Like, I think that at the end of the day, the Chiefs are going to end up, as much as it pains me, because I've decided to jump on the Team Shy Steve bandwagon. <laughs> um, the Chiefs, <laughs> like... 
they're just they're they're always they're always good. You know what they are, and the only reason we don't talk about them enough is because they just win so much, and we just get fatigued over like Patrick Mahomes and how good he is. But like the Eagles and Niners, I cannot tell you which way that game is going to go. I can't even begin to make a prediction on that because they both have such complete rosters. I don't think the Philly defense, speaking of people that haven't gotten their due, as a unit, the Philly defense has not gotten its due. I mean, they finished with the most sacks in the league. They get a ton of pressure up front, and they're using, like, Fletcher Cox is like an afterthought on that defensive line, which is insane. Yeah. And then you have, at every level of that defense, they are just, they're, they're stacked, they're loaded, and they're so good, and they're the reason that, you know, when the offense hasn't necessarily been able to get it done or score a bunch of points, they've been able to hold opponents. And especially, like, coming up clutch, like, even if they can't hold them yardage or points-wise, like, they're so clutch, and they're so complete, and these guys all look really healthy. That's the other thing, too, is, like, you're looking at both these teams, and I guess, like, with the obvious exception of Brock Purdy, who's their third-string quarterback, but, like, the Niners are, are healthy enough. Like, I think it was Debo Samuel that just came out that there's no way that he's not playing, or maybe it was Christian McCaffrey, one of the two. But they're playing. Like, everyone's healthy, and it's going to be just – I can't wait for the game because I really don't know which way it's going to go. I, I'm with you. Before the playoffs, I picked the Chiefs and Eagles to make it with the Chiefs winning the whole thing. And Ooh. Um, and I, I, that, I, I could definitely see that playing out. Uh, I will say that watching the way Cincinnati operates with Joe Burrow, it's just so impressive. And I don't know why we just have to go to the – I'm saying us, but there's, it's it's out there. This whole Burrow and Mahomes, who's better, who's this to that. It's like, well, the way I've have viewed it, it's it. Uh, you know, Mahomes is. It's kind of funny to think he's 27 year, years old and he's the oldest quarterback remaining in the playoffs. You got four young quarterbacks <laughs> competing on Sunday. Mahomes has been through it a lot. I still have always viewed it, and I know before the season there was so much hype about Josh Allen and the Bills, and rightfully so. And it was mm-hmm. Josh Allen's time, and it's the Bills' time. And there was even so much hype for Justin Herbert, and it's Herbert and the Chargers. Look out at all the additions of that. I'm like, are we all of a sudden sleeping on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Like, that's the team now for, I think, for many years to come that everybody in the AFC is going to have to go through. And Cincinnati was able to do it, and Joe Burrow's not going anywhere. Like, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are set up for success for the next decade. And same for the Chiefs still, despite it, you know, Mahomes is going to be in what year six. He's got a long way to go too. So I just I just you know, I still think Mahomes is is number one if I'm gonna do the whole quarterback thing. But I will say, like, I don't know why we have to like all of a sudden who's who's better? Burrow, Mahomes, what does this game mean for their legacy? This or that. They're both awesome. Like they're they're probably the two best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. We can just appreciate the greatness of both of them. And I hope we have an epic classic maybe an overtime-type battle in Kansas City Sunday. I would love for it to, to come down to something like that because I think both of these teams, and I think we're, we're, I think we're in a spot where we could see Kansas City and Cincinnati meeting in the playoffs and have some epic battles in the, in the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't also say enough about Joe Burrow, what he's been able to do with what he's been given. I mean, he has Jamar Chase with him, which I've likened to, you know, after college, you and your roommate move to the big city, and then you're all of a sudden more comfortable, though, because you've got your guy with you. That's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So he has that, but at the same time, they went and they got a, you know more offensive line help, but at the same time, now they're, they're hurt up front. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Joe Burrow can take as many sacks. Like he took last, off the, or last post, postseason, I think he took 23 sacks just in the postseason alone. 
And, like, he was still wheeling and dealing. And the toughness that Joe Burrow has, and I think that just adds to, like, this mystique around him and just the Joe Burrow swag, like the Joe Shiesty thing, because I just, I'm, I'm blown away by what he's able to do with relatively little. I mean, he's got a, he's got a decent running game too. And he's got his guy as far as weapons go, but like that offensive line, man, he is just like blowing out of the water. Any sort of argument for why offensive line is like the most important yeah. thing because it just doesn't seem to matter with him. So Justin, Justin Fields and Russell Wilson were both sacked 55 times this year. That's the most for any quarterback. Kirk Cousins, Geno mm-hmm. Smith, 46 times. Daniel Jones, 44. Joe Burrow. 41 sacks this year. The guy still threw for 4,400 yards and, you know, has his team in a position to maybe go back to the Super Bowl. So I, I just, uh, I think, I hope, I know we're hyping it up, but I do, I really do think we'll have two really good games um, on Sunday. So uh, let's hope for that. Uh, Carmen Vitale covers the NFC North for Fox Sports. And a quick thank you to Mark Carmen, who jumped into the, uh, the interview for a couple of minutes there. Uh, Carmen, I really appreciate your time uh, jumping on the podcast. And let's hope for some good games on Sunday. I think we will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And that's episode 61 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thanks to Ernie Scatton for his help producing the podcast and to Brian Oldtimer as well. Thanks to Carmen Vitale for joining me. And thank you for listening. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast.